The second lesson is written in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, beginning at the first verse. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with those who in every place call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Just four years ago, on Sunday, May 11th, 2014, I was leading worship in Greece. 34 faith Lutheran travelers were walking in the footsteps of Paul through Greece and Turkey. On this bright morning, we gathered amid the ruins of ancient Corinth, under the pine trees with the birds singing overhead, the bells of an Orthodox church chimed in the distance as we prepared for worship with a block from the stone ruins serving as our altar. Just a few yards from where Paul was brought before the tribunal of Corinth, we prayed, read scripture, and sang together. Paul planted a fledgling church community in Corinth on his second missionary journey, staying in that important Greek town for a year and a half. How wonderful it was for us as travelers to see the ruins there, structures that were the backdrop to Paul's ministry. After Paul moves on from Corinth in his mission to share the gospel, he does not just abandon this little band of believers, he writes them letters encouraging them in faith and helping them with their problems, of which there were many. I just read the opening of one of those letters to the Corinthian Christians. This was a small group, perhaps just a couple of dozen people, meeting in a house. Yet in these few words, the heart of Christian faith is embraced. Think about Paul's letters to the Corinthian Christians and the other little groups of early believers. They gather to hear Paul's words read aloud and then the letters are copied and shared with others. Today, the world reads Paul's words. How astounded he would be to know that the words he wrote are now shared on continents unknown in the first century. Then the number of Christians was so small and hidden. Now there are more Christians than any other religion in the world. 
we Christians number 2.3 billion. At the beginning of this letter, Paul introduces himself as an apostle, which means he's sent out by Christ, carrying the message of the gospel. He's not the author of the gospel message, but the bearer of it as he goes out into the Roman world. And what an unlikely messenger of the gospel he is. You remember how his story starts out in the book of Acts. Laura just read it. When we first meet him, he is called Saul. In the seventh chapter of Acts, he participates in the stoning of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. In this passage, it's noted that Saul is young. We're also told he approves. Think for a minute of what he's approving. He approves of killing Stephen for believing in Jesus. He approves of killing Stephen while Stephen is praying. Yet even this most vile and murderous rejection of Jesus and his word does not cause the Lord to turn away from Saul. The Lord will call him and his heart will be changed by that call. Saul agrees with the murderous attitude of the Jewish council toward the Jewish converts to Christianity, and he's such an ardent persecutor of the new Christian group that he goes to the high priest to request permission to track down believers who fled Jerusalem and gone to Damascus, establishing a Christian community there. With the council's approval, Saul sets out for Damascus. Can't you just see him heading north on the Damascus road with an I'm going to get them attitude? He strides with death in his heart. But if you've already heard the rest of the story, you know that what he finds is not death, but life. On the road to Damascus, a great light shines on Saul, and he falls to the ground. He hears the voice of Jesus, who says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love this painting of the moment described in Acts 9. It was painted by the great Baroque artist Caravaggio. Saul falls to the ground in a heavenly spotlight, illuminates the scene. Saul lies on his back, clad in orange. A horse and handler emerge from the inky background as a result of the literally blinding light that lands on Saul. Before the story of Saul's conversion of faith in Jesus continues, God allows him to languish in blindness for three days, reflecting Imagine how much he has to process. He has seen the glory of the risen Christ. Saul must tremble in awe of what has been revealed to him. Now think about this. What was Saul's plan starting out? His day begins in murderous rage. He wants to kill as many Christians as possible. But what was God's plan for Saul? That he would be a great Christian missionary, sharing the gospel 
in new lands. God's plans for you will always be better than your plans for you. Saul's a great example of this. Saul is a man with a past, but he's not imprisoned by this past. Our God makes all things new. With Saul's new call to faith in Jesus, he's also sent out to serve. Every call to faith is also a call to serve. When you're given the gift of faith, you follow that up with action. It seems like this momentous event should be the moment when Saul's name is changed to Paul. In fact, you may have heard that the name change happens here, but it's not. He continues to be known as Saul over the next 14 years. And during this time, Saul stays close to home, mostly in what we now call the Middle East. Later, he heads out on his first missionary journey with Barnabas. And then we're told that Saul is now also known as Paul. Saul's a traditional Jewish name. But as the first missionary journey begins 14 years after the events on the road to Damascus, Saul also starts using the name Paulus, a good Greco-Roman name. Uh, In English, we say Paul. This is a name change that's appropriate as he heads out on his missions to Gentiles in the empire. From a life of brokenness and hatred, God has shaped a new man who preaches the gospel throughout the empire. Paul preaches to new believers, putting his own life in danger to tell them things have changed. They're no longer as they used to be. Their lives are changed too. God in Christ Jesus has a plan for their lives. In this painting of the Apostle Paul by the 17th century painter Antonio del Castillo y Saavedra, Paul holds a book representing his writings. He also holds a sword, which reminds us he was martyred for his witness by beheading. And it's no accident that the shape of the sword makes us think of the cross, because the cross is what the message of the gospel is about. When the cross brings us together, we trust and embrace God's will for our lives. We celebrate the gift of faith by repenting and sharing the gospel with others. Being a Christian is not about isolating ourselves from the world. Instead, we go into the world. Our Lord is also Lord of those who do not yet believe in him. We are sent out to share the word with those who do not yet believe. This is what we are called and sent to do. How can they believe those who have not heard the word? Look around this sanctuary. Look at all the people here. Everyone here is on the evangelism committee. What a good thing it is that you also serve as an usher or on the mission and service team or on the church council. But that doesn't mean you get out of evangelism, sharing the gospel with others. 
God's the one who calls. He's the one who gathers. Our evangelism is the faithful response to that call on our hearts and his gift of faith. You may feel your witness to the word is futile because of your weakness, because you are a broken sinner. But remember Paul, he was a great sinner. And look what his word and witness wrought. We often pray for the Lord to work in mighty ways in this world, and yet so often after that prayer, we just sit back waiting for him to do his thing. But the hands of the Almighty are so often found at the ends of our own arms. Paul's faith leads him down the most difficult road, beating, shipwreck, and eventually death. Do not expect that you are given faith just for your own comfort and salvation. You are given faith to serve the Lord and share that faith with others. God does not promise you an easy life for being faithful. Think of Paul, Peter, and the other believers who've walked before us. Did they all lead trouble-free lives? Of course not. Faith is not something that makes you safe in this world. Believers in Jesus today still walk difficult paths in service to him. Having been given the gift of faith, they step out in courage. Their stories still inspire. I have a story ripped from today's headlines to share with you in my next class series. Ebola. Remember hearing about it in the news? It's the world's most dangerous virus. And it spread like wildfire across the West African countries of Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia in 2014. One organization stepped up with people and resources to provide compassion and care in the name of Jesus. On Sundays, June 10th and 17th, we will be viewing and discussing Facing Darkness, the documentary which tells a great story of faith and courage. This class will meet at both 9.30 and 11 a.m. on those Sundays. There's an insert uh, in today's bulletin that you can use to register for this class. The challenge to reach out in love and faith during dark and dangerous times is not limited to ages past. That call goes out to all of us today, too. Let's pray. O oh Lord, you have called us to proclaim the great news of the gospel. Give us courage to step out in that faith. Use our words and actions to the glory of your holy name so that those whose faith we pray for and work for join us in prayer to you eternally. And all God's people said, Amen.